welcome to the Brocast. It's here today at long last. Brolix, Brodrick, Broja. And we're the bros. Welcome to Bro Cancel the Brocast, episode four. We have Dr. Squash here with us, along with our usual bros, Brolix, Brodra, and Brodrick. Howdy. And Dr. Squash. Hello, guys. Ooh, seductive. I know. That was a <laughs> Hello, guys. What? Don't worry, guys. She's taken. <laughs> do, you want, do you want to explain that? Or? So, I happen to be not related to Squash in any way. As, as we discussed in our first episode. In our previous podcast, yeah. yeah. She is my wife. By I, marriage. By marriage. <laughs> <laughs> she, she is a female She's wife. my, my <laughs> wife-in-law, if you will. Um, by and, law. By law. <laughs> and she recently got her MD at... Uh, actually, you want to you wanna tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, so I am a newly minted squash MD. <laughs> Currently, I'm doing my internship, and it's totally unexpected that I'd be an intern in the peak of a pandemic, so here we are. Uh, where are you currently an intern at? So I, I'm an intern at a hospital in downtown Seattle, and my rotation changes every month, so right now I'm in the ICU. By the time you listen to this, I'll probably be on a new unit, but that's where I am for now. Uh, what kind of doctor do you want to be in, in the future after your residency? So this year I'm doing my internship just in internal medicine. And then next year I'm starting my actual residency in radiation oncology. And I'll be at a different hospital, but yeah. <laughs> so you're an expert on a lot of things. You went, you went to school for, for being a doctor, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that was, pretty, that was pretty rigorous, right? It was a lot of work. A lot of information. A lot of natural. information, yeah. Okay. Well, we're glad to have you well here. Well worth it, but a lot of time, yes. Mm-hmm. So we're going to kick things off with a couple of the questions that we got asked by our fans. Um, we meticulously chose the correct ones to ask because some of them were <laughs> not appropriate or uh, kind of gross. Yeah, some <laughs> odd questions definitely we got. For the record, I just want to point out that Dr. Squash hasn't heard these questions prior to this this point, so we're just kind of throwing it out at her and seeing with testing her knowledge. You Putting know? me on the spot, basically. <laughs> yeah, and it's great because that's when we get the best answers. Yeah. Also, disclaimer: don't take any of this, anything that I say as medical advice. I would definitely like. Well, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't take it all seriously. I would. We definitely... cannot be held liable. Yeah. <laughs> for anything. And do you want to start us off, Rolex? Uh, sure. Uh, the first question that we had from somebody was, um, when or how does the Adam apple form? Adam's apple. Yeah. Adam. You know, the guy. <laughs> so generally, I would say that it's kind of a mark of adolescence and the transition to young adulthood, most prominent in males. Females also have an Adam's apple, but it's definitely not as prominent. I knew it. What does it actually do? So the Adam's apple is just a term for there's some cartilage here in your throat. And it's prominent in males just based on their anatomy. You can palpate it. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't say it's necessarily a mark of, like, you know, manliness, but... I haven't seen too many women with Adam's apples. Mm -mm. I don't think you're looking for them. 
I really hope they don't have any. <laughs> Do you look for Adam's apples in your lady? I think you should, just out of principle. <laughs> just to make sure they're what they say they are. But I, uh, I have heard, I have no idea if this is true or not, but depending on how low... Yeah, right? Depending on how low their voice is depends on the size. I have no idea if that actually is true so or not. So the sound of your voice is actually not dependent on the cartilage that we're talking about. It's going to be based on the vibration of the muscles in your larynx. So I don't think there's a correlation. No, I don't think there's a real correlation between that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no sense. It's basically just a cartilage within the larynx that is, it's a laryngeal prominence. Interesting. Does that satisfy you? Yes. That satisfies good answer. me. Yeah. Good answer. It's like on Family Feud, you know, when somebody gives a good answer, you all have to clap and be enthusiastic. Good answer. Good answer. Even if it's a really bad answer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's another name for mom? Nana. How about another name? Nana. Good <laughs> answer. Good answer. It's, uh, family Yeah. <laughs> Mama. 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 So, another question that came up in a previous episode that we were curious about. So um, curious. As in the morning, we're usually more oh, yeah, interested. Oh, yeah, this question. Yeah, we're more interested in eating sweet food as opposed to, like, you don't really eat pancakes for dinner. Like, you could. But generally, people eat syrup and berries and pancakes and stuff for, for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Is that something to do with the taste buds, or is there a scientific reason for that? So I guess my answer to that would be twofold. The first answer is that if you are used to eating sweet foods in the morning, then it's just more natural that you would be craving that in the morning you kind of associate sweet foods with morning time Mm. my second answer for that is if you think about overnight you're in a fast while you're sleeping you're not eating and so when you wake up and your body senses that it's hungry the quickest thing that will give you energy is going to be glucose which is very heavy in some of these foods you're talking about like pancakes cereal syrup simple sugars are the highest concentration Hmm. component in those foods. So I'd probably say that you, if you're trying to get quick energy, then that's the place you're going to turn. Sweet foods, high in glucose. So would you say like the the food industry has kind of like programmed us to eat sweet foods in the morning? Totally. I think that that's totally the case too. It's kind of a marketing thing too. Um, Honestly, you can eat whatever you want for breakfast. It just, I would definitely say there's a contributing factor of that. Hmm. So, our next question. I wanted to ask a few semi-normal questions before reaching this one, because this one was quite unique and a little disturbing. But I wanted to ask it because um, someone asked, and I, I think it's something we should address. Someone here or someone in the... It was not someone in this room. It was one of our fans. <laughs> so, they're experiencing um, a condition where their poop is a different color. Okay. And it's, it's coming out white. Okay. And they want to know what what that what's that a symptom of? What and, that means? Yeah, and also further, uh, what do different colored poops mean for different kinds of ailments? Okay. Well, for one, if your poop is white, that is actually something I would definitely say you need workup for. Um, the first thing that comes to mind when I hear someone is having white poop or pale stools is that there is some kind of uh, problem with 
um, like cholestasis in the gallbladder and that's causing your poop to be really light colored and likely your urine is very dark. And if not, maybe you're not experiencing it to that degree yet. But I would definitely say if your poop is white, it's probably something related to your gallbladder and your bile production. And I would definitely um, get that worked up. Now, the second part, different colored stools. So um, there are some things to pay attention to. For one, if your stool is dark and tarry, Ooh. it's most likely concerning for blood in your stool. So that's a problem go to the doctor <laughs> oh, gross if your stool is green maybe you have a high fiber diet and there's a lot of greens in your diet okay if your stool is maroon also concerning could also be blood yeah those are the three colors i can think of and it's brown then it's probably normal and you're probably doing the right thing so I'm not speaking from experience here, but I've also heard of or seen. How is it not from experience? <laughs> what kind of stools are you looking at? <laughs> not from experience, but I've seen. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. No judgment. I don't want to talk about it. Um, blue stool. Blue poop. Too many blueberries? Yeah, could it be like dyed from food you eat? Is it like flamingos? So I will say, I do know that I'm pretty sure um, jello can color your poop, possibly. So, I honestly, I've, I've never heard of someone telling me that the poop is blue. So We're going to have to have a discussion later at home. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah that would be, that'd be something new, but um, probably bring it up to... Your provider. Do you like Jello? <laughs> do, do you eat a lot of Jello? <laughs> I haven't eaten very much Jello. Not like, you, but whoever we're talking about. Yeah. Right, right. Mention it in the comments. Get back to us on that. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Okay. <laughs> Use the term like worked up or something. Oh yeah. So basically, what that means is like um, getting diagnostic tests and imaging to try to identify the problem. So get help. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Get help. Get help. Get worked. Get, get it. Yeah. Get that checked out. <laughs> are we are we satisfied with that? We covered poop. I, I think we've covered poop pretty well. Okay. All right. My turn. I should just know that this like this was obviously going to come up. <laughs> I think it's um, three bros, one poop. Interviewers. Interviewers. <laughs> so. Why can't you sneeze with your eyes closed? Ooh. I mean, yeah, that's a good question. Like, why can't you keep your eyes open when you sneeze? Okay, do you guys remember when you were little and someone told you that, like, if you sneeze with your eyes yes. open, your eyes are going to pop out of your head? Yes. Mm -hmm. Totally believe that for, like, ever. It's not true. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't know from personal experience. Um, I think, okay, honestly, I think what it has to do, and again, this is just coming from thought i i don't have a good answer for you but i would probably say that like when you're sneezing you do have some like pressure that's like being released from your sinuses and it causes tension which make your eyes blink i have no idea that's a really good question like a reflex yeah Let's i wonder see if we have any i wonder if it's because like when you sneeze your whole body like tightens up and all your muscles contract and i wonder if like mm -hmm. your eye muscles contract at the same time Probably. which causes you to close yeah. them mm. yeah yeah, I mean, it definitely. Has, it, I think it definitely has something to do with like the muscular movements in your face when you like when you have the action in your face of like 
releasing a sneeze. It's, it is very reflexive of your eyes to just to blink right afterwards. Have you, any of you ever sneezed with your eyes open? I have tried. <laughs> I, I was always curious, weren't you? I, I yeah, curious. I was yeah. always curious, but my I uh, I inherited quite a quite a loud sneeze. Did you really? And yeah, there's there's no chance. Can you demonstrate? <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> can't sneeze on Will. Do you ask your patients that? <laughs> Could Please you sneeze, sneeze right now. Well, sometimes it's helpful, like if they have a symptom, to kind of like you know, redemonstrate for us. <laughs> hmm. Well, along those lines, have you guys ever, or do you have you know anybody who? sneezes when they look at the sun or like oh, oh, totally. go outside after being inside for a while yeah i totally sneeze when i when i do that sometimes really when you yeah. look at the sun when i come out go outdoors from being inside for a while and i and it's like a sunny day and i mm -hmm. look at the sun it makes me sneeze mm -hmm. and i just googled it here and it says reflexive sneezing induced by light and sunlight in particular is estimated to occur in 18 to 35 percent of the population and is known as the photic sneeze reflex or the achu <laughs> autosomal dominant compulsive heliophthalmic outbursts wow that's like five different systems achu wow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i always thought that was weird that's no i definitely know people that have that response so you're like in the top 18 to 35 percent yeah, Go yeah. You. you're a minority it's weird <laughs> i have not had that before but I have heard people say, like, give different um, remedies for trying to prevent a sneeze and for trying to induce a sneeze. I don't know if any of them are accurate. Like, some people told me to look up at, like, fluorescent lights and say mayonnaise. <laughs> and then <laughs> there's others where you, like, put your finger under your nose and, like, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's kind of like a manual manipulation that causes that reflex, I would say. I... Looking up at the light and saying mayonnaise... <laughs> The mayonnaise part might be made Yeah. Up. <laughs> That's like when, okay, did someone ever tell you, like, when you have hiccups, like, trying to get rid of them, to eat peanut butter? No. no. Really? Oh, someone told me that, and I was like, that sounds like a great way to eat peanut butter. <laughs> but I had no correlation to how it relates to hiccups, but... Well, speaking of hiccups, then, is there any surefire way to get rid of hiccups? Well, medically, <laughs> there's... Okay, so whenever surgery. No. <laughs> no, so hiccups are Take that like hiccup right out of you. Hiccups. <laughs> yeah, so hiccups they are there's a lot of things to talk about hiccups. It's kind of like that black box of, you know, I don't know. There's a, there's like a black box in medicine where you're just kind of like this is just it's all no, it's just there. Proven. It's hard to describe like why you experience symptoms. Okay, so for one thing for hiccups though, um I do know that it is stimulation of the vagus nerve that causes the hiccups and so like when you have these patients who are having hiccups a lot especially like at nighttime it's bothersome you're trying to get them to sleep you can give them medicines that kind of like calm them like nerve related medicines that try to calm the nerve and try to calm that spasm but overall <laughs> it's kind of just something that happens like you're in your throat, you're trying to like protect the airway. I don't know entirely, but. So where is this hiccup nerve? The vagus nerve? Yeah. It goes like from the brain, it's a cranial nerve, hmm. all the way down into like, it travels all the way down. You're, you're, you guys are all looking at me like, wow. <laughs> no, so the vagus nerve, it starts um, in 
the brainstem, mm-hmm. and then it travels all the way down your esophagus, down into your chest, um, and basically like terminates. It has extensions also down throughout your abdomen, but that's kind of why there is like when there's stimulation of the nerve, it affects a variety of different um, organ systems all the way down throughout your abdomen. Mm-hmm. What were your guys' like surefire way to get rid of hiccups? I hold my breath. And swallow three times. I don't know if I swallowed. I always do that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like whenever I have hiccups and I hold my breath, I kind of kind of feel it like that the gas escaping. Yeah. It's yeah. weird and it yeah. seems to work for me. So it actually works? So like prolong like more than like ten seconds. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, I'll How about that. like scaring it out of you? I've heard that one. I don't. I've heard. I don't know if I've ever really attempted it. Yeah. Um. I've heard upside down. That hasn't worked for me personally. Mm. Like just hanging upside down. Mm. Yeah. Uh, holding the breath. I haven't noticed that helps me either. Uh, drinking water. That's yeah. some. That's a hit or a miss with me. Sometimes totally. it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Totally. I always feel like I'm gonna drown. <laughs> right. When you're drinking water, like to with try hiccups. to calm it. Yeah. yeah. I feel yeah. like I'm just gonna go. Or Whoop. like you'll aspirate. Yeah. 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 My dad always told me to put a spoonful of sugar on the back of my tongue. Really? And let it dissolve. Again, another great way to eat sugar. Yeah, I think he was just trying to <laughs> hype it, you up. And like well, he would do it himself too, even if he didn't have hiccups. Yeah. So maybe he was just doing it. Even if he didn't have hiccups, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then say mayonnaise. Yeah. <laughs> and look at the fluorescent lights. <laughs> Wash it down with some peanut butter. Yeah, totally. It's, well, it never worked though. So. Yeah. so I'm still looking for a, a good way to get rid of that. Again, I'm telling you, black box, not entirely sure. Hmm. Well, that's okay. Yeah. We don't expect you to have all the answers. Yeah. We're not going to solve all, all, our, all our problems. Yeah. Just, maybe just one or two. White poop. White poop. Go to the doctor. Go to the doctor, <laughs> for sure. I, like, going back to the sneezing thing, I, I knew a few people that they somehow would, like, move the cartilage in their nose a little bit in such mm-hmm. ways, and it would trigger them that they would sneeze, which I found kind of odd. That's bizarre. Yeah. And, like, I know sometimes for me, if I feel a sneeze coming on, if I, like plug my nose it'll sometimes yeah. prevent it for a little bit if you get it early enough yeah yeah but i think yeah. sneezing like it's your body's way of like getting rid of stuff yeah in your body so i mean if you can sneeze, I would sneeze cover your mouth when you sneeze yeah wear a mask <laughs> <laughs> okay this is this is an age-old question we got this a few times um but i know i've always had this question and it's never been proven i always feel like it could be I don't know. It could go either way. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's wow, not. I'm really happy this up. I know. I just, it's, um, is yawning actually contagious? Like if I yawn, could I make someone else yawn? I honestly think it is because literally every single, well, almost always you can get someone to yawn when you yawn, particularly mm-hmm. if they're fatigued. I just tried it and no one else yawned. <laughs> okay, never mind. It wasn't genuine, though. It, was, it felt kind of genuine. Did it? My, I felt my mouth stretching. Yeah. But I feel like... Um, this is so I, unsatisfying. I wish I could give you an answer. I want to hear like a, a scientific physiologically, reason. Physiologically, I don't know if I have an explanation for that. I yeah. think psychologically, I like maybe. Yeah, psychologically, like your body subconsciously, it's, it's reacting like in a sympathetic way. Like you want to, like you're yawning, so I'm yawning. Yeah, yeah. There, but I, I think it helps if you're tired. Too. So, so it's also like if you cry, I cry, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like that empathy. 
but it's yawning. Right. <laughs> I've been told, again, I have no idea if this is true or not, that... Um, it's usually I, not. It's, yeah. <laughs> right. uh, serial killers don't yawn or something like that. You know what? Great comment. I'm going to leave that to the episode with the next significant other, who I'm sure will have much more insight into serial <laughs> just cereal. Just cereal. Not okay. the killers, just the cereal. I don't have an answer for that. I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, we have an expert on murder, but she's asleep. <laughs> so, next time. See. Who wants to yawn? Gone. So, growing up, I was always told by my parents never crack crack your fingers. Because you're going to get arthritis in them, and Mm. that's not something you want to get when you're young. And then I've heard people say, oh, that's not true. That's totally a a wives tale. And then I've heard other people say, no, that's actually science. And is that science? Or is that a wives tale? So I, I don't think that when you come in with joint pain, the first question that we ask is, did you crack your fingers or knuckles a lot growing up? I will say though that doing that is, it'll add an element of stress on your joints and your fingers that you wouldn't have otherwise if you weren't doing that. So again, I don't think it's a direct correlation. Yeah, but it could potentially. But I can't deny that it's probably something that isn't helpful. Isn't uh, like the noise that you hear when you crack, it's, it's actually air in between mm. your like bones and stuff that's actually that what's make the popping mm-hmm. that's what i've heard i mean it's, yeah you're not gonna like there are tons of tissues in between the bones that they don't yeah. like rub together there's cartilage mm-hmm. there's tendons in the you're muscles not, like, around breaking it. something every time no. yeah no. yeah that's another so they would say you get gas like bubbles in your in your knuckles and that's the sound right so where's that gas come from why do we have gas in our body i'm not a very gassy person but Oh, let me tell you. Let's talk about gas, all right? Okay. And brojo. So first of all, we breathe in oxygen. Mm, that's a gas. The air, yeah. We breathe out CO2. Mm-hmm. It's also Lots gas. Of gas. There's bacteria all within your gut releasing gas. Don't look, don't, don't even get, yeah, this is normal. Everyone has this. Why is it that we always come back to the GI system? <laughs> don't know. <laughs> Anyway, but like so, so you're getting get like you're breathing in oxygen, mm-hmm. and you're breathing out oxygen, yeah, carbon dioxide. Yeah, but how does it get into your fingers? Because you don't have like organs there. I mean, your blood's oxygenated, right? But does it yeah. give off oxygen? Well, oxygen. So your blood is made in your bones, like your red blood cells. Right. It's made in the bones. Mm. I don't know where I'm going with this. It's <laughs> just that. That's. Yeah. I guess I just always picture like I don't know what. The human body looks like so where your knuckle is i picture two bones mm-hmm. on either side mm-hmm. and then in the middle where the knuckle is there's just a bunch of little bubbles of like gases gaseous so, stuff yeah and it just no pops no i mean it's <laughs> like bubble wrap <laughs> yeah yeah there i mean there's um that's my ankle <laughs> probably heard that on the, on the mic too yeah i mean there's not like air in the bloodstream if there was like bubbles in the bloodstream that's very very bad that's called an air embolism not good at all there is gas within the blood that is oxygen co2 um 
mostly the way that we oxygenate our blood is, as you know, by breathing in and out. Well, right. breathing Both in. Both in it, mostly. Yeah. In, yeah. I don't know why, but there's always a cat that ends up showing up in our recordings <laughs> and ruining it's everything. And it's running away. Okay. I guess it's raining outside. Shout Probably out to Paneer. Paneer. <laughs> He's not living with me anymore. He's not. Where'd he go? Oh, did he move out? His owner moved out. Oh. He moved to the city. Is that I his think wife or his is... girlfriend? Juan's girlfriend. Juan's girlfriend. Yeah. Paneer <laughs> is like the Shout out to Juan. <laughs> Are we starting the shout outs now? We started we shouted out to one last time. <laughs> and to a lot of other things. And shout out to Paneer. <laughs> um we go with that one? Yeah, I guess we'll just call it Cracking Your Knuckles does not cause arthritis, but it definitely does not help with the strain on your joints. Hmm. Again, unsatisfying, but Do you, do you recommend so you don't recommend cracking your knuckles? Personally, I would not. Uh, I'll just okay. leave it at that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we all try to crack our knuckles. And no one could. There fail. was no sounds. You missed nothing. <laughs> yeah, the ears all gone. Oh, there was one. <laughs> all right, so next question. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to set up a scenario because I think it's appropriate. So you're, you're sleeping in your bed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Somebody tries to tickle you. Okay. Do you or do you not laugh? Is that, or wake up. Yeah. And why or why not do you do you laugh when you're tickled? I remember seeing this question in our DMs and I was I was laughing myself. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was a pretty <laughs> funny question. But it's true, like if if I'm sleeping or someone like if Squash is sleeping, mm-hmm. I admit I've probably tried to tickle her in her sleep before. Have but you she, really? I have never tried to tickle her in her sleep before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but um Wow, that's aggressive. If someone tried to tickle me, it was... Okay, never mind. Try to, like, prove a point? Yeah, but... For science. For science. (laughs) Yeah, but you don't usually laugh. Which means, like, maybe it's not so much you're feeling ticklish. Maybe it's just psychological. Yeah. Like, you think you're ticklish. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not the actual tickling that's affecting you. Or, like, if you're asleep, maybe your tickle nerves... (laughs) <laughs> like turn off <laughs> you know tickle nerves <laughs> that's a thing that's right? science right? I think it's just psychological when you're asleep you can't you're not you're, uh, you're, you're uh, unconscious basically what Cause like when if you're, you're in a coma though because when you're in a coma you aren't there but you're like aware of what's happening around you if somebody tickles you when you're in a coma mm. Do you would laugh? You yeah, and would you feel it? Do you feel stuff when you're in a coma? I don't know. Good thing we have a doctor here. Yeah. So many questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious to see where this would go, first of all. <laughs> so, coma, basically, your body is still functioning. Like, it's just your higher decision-making capacity is not intact. Something physiologically has made your brain not able to respond in a way that you normally would if you were in your peak performance. You can feel things, but it's a matter of, are you gonna respond to things? Um, You can, your body, unless of course you have like a spinal cord injury and you're not able to feel. Um, But yeah, a lot of it comes down to, are you able to respond to, like physical touch, are your reflexes intact? 
are you able to recognize like movement and stimulation and sensation around you? There's a lot that goes into awakeness and comas. <laughs> so does that answer the question, can you be tickled when you're asleep? I'm going to let you guys answer that. <laughs> We're going to do a scientific... I don't think I can provide a medical answer to this question. <laughs> We're going to do a scientific experiment tonight, Squash. Okay. Well, you can't tell me. Well, you're going to be asleep, yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> Why are more than just Brodrick responding to this? I think it's psychological. Like, because when you guys get tickled, or when you tickle somebody else, like, do you actually think you're ticklish in whatever that spot is? Or do you think, like, your mind is telling you that you're ticklish, and so you, like, react? I... I think it's mostly you're just you I mean, the brain's reacting. I wonder if it has also to do with like uh, skin slash nerve sensitivity. So like if you touch lower on your arm, in your like if you're blindfolded and somebody touches you with like pencils, you have more sensitive. You can like kind of guess how many pencils are touching you on your arm, or whatever. I'm using just pencils as, a, as an option. Whereas if you touch it more on your bicep, it's less sensitive, and you have you would have a less idea of. How many pencils might be touching you? I wonder if it has some correlation with that as well. Is more sensitive areas on your skin, it just, you know, triggers. It triggers the childhood memories of your parents chasing you around, saying, I'm gonna get you, uh-huh. tickle you. You know, I don't know, I'm pretty ticklish. <laughs> and I think it's, it might be a little bit psychological, but I can definitely tell when someone like touches me in a certain area. <laughs> It's <laughs> like without you even knowing, like if they came up behind you and like, mm-hmm. okay, well that makes sense. Well, I think that's a little bit of a surprise factor too, because you're not expecting it, so you kind of jump. But yeah, like if I was to do this to squash, oh, stop. <laughs> point proven. Mm-hmm. Science. Science. <laughs> we are after all. But like if she was Scientist. sleeping, though, would she even notice it? Hmm. We're gonna do an experiment. Maybe her oh, subconscious. Oh, let me tell you, I would laughing. notice it. Okay, I can give you. A story. Give us a story. So one time, like, it was, I don't know. We were just, like, I was leaning on Roderick's shoulder, and it's late. Ed worked, and I was tired. And (laughs) he reaches over, and in a loving and affectionate way, sticks his hand in my armpit. (laughs) This is not what happened, but continue. (laughs) I was in that... It was like that lucid period of sleep where you're like kind of asleep, but kind of in a trance, like trying to get to sleep. Yeah. Literally yeah. woke up, stood up, and ran away. Okay? <laughs> ran so away. definitely that's, you that's can how, sense it. That's how their first date think, ended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got married. So I think that you can sense it. I think it probably depends on how, if you're in a REM cycle or if you're not. Mm. So what you should take away from that story is if you like a girl, stick your hand in her armpit and tickle her when she's asleep. <laughs> then she will marry you. But no, that's definitely not what happened. I it's what happened. lovingly put my arm around her neck or her, you know, like you normally put your arm around someone. And my hand just happened to be... Do you normally put your arm around someone? I mean, you. <laughs> oh, boy. We're not getting into that. <laughs> Tune in next time. <laughs> um... And my hand just happened to be there. I wasn't, this is what she claimed, because I remember, and we still joke about it. She's like, you stuck your hand in my armpit and wiggled it around. <laughs> and she said it just like that. And I literally just put my hand like over her shoulder and my hand wasn't even in her armpit. But anyway. Maybe, so she, maybe she felt your hand and she, she tied the two together like, oh, he's tickling me. Yeah, I think that's what I it think was. Th- I think, yeah. 
Yeah. But I definitely was not trying to tickle her. And now she's really skittish whenever I put my arm near her. Yeah. (laughs) From that one time. Yeah. Anyway. Good question. Good question. Solid question. Sorry, I don't have a better answer. So the most common question we had um, was about moles. And fortunately, everyone was kind and did not send us pictures of their moles. Oh, gosh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But there were quite a few people that tried to describe it to us. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and I know we've talked about this before, so I wanted to just give your take on how you know when a mole is a bad mole versus just a mole that is just part of your skin. This is an excellent question. Thank you. Something that everyone can do on their self is assess a spot on their skin. So we have this mnemonic. Basically, it's... Everyone look. (laughs) It's really easy to remember. A, B, C, D, E. All right? Yeah. Okay. So A. I've heard that before. Yeah. A. A stands for asymmetry. When you're looking at the borders of a mole on your skin, is it smooth and circumferential all around, or are there parts about it that are asymmetric? Does it have little jagged areas? Does it extend beyond a circular border? If it's asymmetric, that's more concerning for something that is. Um, more commonly seen in malignancies. However, it, if it's symmetric, it's more likely a benign, benign mole or freckle. So that's A, A for asymmetry. B, B stands for borders. Again, um, if you have a uh, mole that has um, borders that are like crusted or raised, or if it's not flat all the way through, again, kind of ties into the whole um, asymmetry thing. But if, if there's um, if there's borders that are raised or not uh, smooth, then that is something that we'd be more concerned for. Ooh. C is for color. So if the mole is the same color all throughout, again, more likely benign. If there's different colors, different pigmentation in the mole, more concerning for malignancy. So like D- white spots or... Yeah, so or, or like if, if you have a mole that's like mostly brown, but you have like a speckling of black in it, mm. or um, if there's like half of it's brown, but another half of it is darker or lighter, then that, that's something you want to pay attention to because that is concerning. D stands for diameter. So um, usually, just making sure I give you guys the right advice, um, for... Diameter, that is kind of tying into size. So if it's larger than a pencil eraser, more likely to be a malignant mole. If it's smaller than a pencil eraser, more likely to be benign. Hmm. And then E basically stands for everything else. Um, (laughs) Yeah. That's a good mnemonic. Yeah, so... um, most thing that we kind of look at is for the evolution of this mole. Is it growing in size, diameter, asymmetry, or borders? Is it growing at a rapid pace? Is this something that you've had for your whole life, half your life? Or is this something that's kind of been evolving over the span of a week, a month, even six months, a year? Um, and if it's growing faster than um, at some other spot that you have, then you, you'd be more concerned for malignancy. So again, A, B, C, D, E. 
Check yourself. Do a skin check. Also have your physician do a skin check. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Brolix just did a full body scan of all of his moles. <laughs> they seem to be okay. I think we all have like a lot of freckles. Yeah. I definitely have a lot of freckles. Are they kind of like Look at this one. He's taking his so pants can, off. Oh yeah, so like, Ooh, okay, this, let's do the test. Yeah. <laughs> okay, A. It looks pretty symmetrick. It's yeah. Like, oh, you're covering it. Okay. Uh B, B? B? borders. Borders. The borders, borders look, look good. Yeah. Uh C was nice boxes by the way. <laughs> <laughs> What's C? C was cir- oh. cir- no. Was it circumference? Color. 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 It's <laughs> it's a constant brown. color. Yeah. Same color throughout. Yeah. There's there's no differentiation. Diameter. Uh, D. D. D diameter. Yeah. Uh, very. Uh, it's about the same size as a pencil eraser. Yeah. yeah. I would definitely yeah. say that. Mm-hmm. And then E. Everything else. All right, Kendrick. Everything else. <laughs> <laughs> e for evolving. So. Have you had this for a long time? And a long time meaning more than you know, half your life, more than three or four years. It's been a couple of years. I just noticed it fairly recently. Yeah. Like it hasn't been my whole it's life. It's on your back, which it's it's very hard to detect spots on your back, on your shoulders, on your scalp. Mm-hmm. It's easier when it's on your face or your arms. Mm-hmm. When did you first notice this? Uh, I think it was back either the end of college or grad school. So like three or yeah. four years ago. Yeah. Is that normal to just definitely college grow a new? Oh, I was in college. Yeah. Okay. Rolex remembers my body. And you would know why. Because no. <laughs> um, we, uh, we played a lot of sports together, and um, <laughs> I don't know where to go with this. With our shirts off, apparently. They shared moments that... We've gone to the beach a lot of times. There you go. There, there, there you go. go. Very adequate answer. <laughs> pants off, dance off. Pants off, dance off. See, that was just the pants, though. Yeah. The shirt stayed on. <laughs> ABCD. Great, that was, that was a good, like, practical. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for a great question. Thank you, listeners. <laughs> so, Broja and myself, we are runners. Well, he's more of a runner than I am. He likes to run. I'll run if I'm chasing something. I'm like a dog. I'll chase something. Right. Um, but often runners experience shin splints. <laughs> and I've, I've experienced shin splints myself. And I've mm-hmm. talked to some uh, doctors where they say there's absolutely nothing you can do mm-hmm. to stop shin splints from happening or make mm-hmm. them better. You just have to wait for it. Mm-hmm. And then I've talked to some other people who are not doctors mm-hmm. And they said they've discovered that um, in order to get rid of shin splints, you just have to massage the right muscles mm-hmm. in the back of your calf mm-hmm. because it's just, that's what's pulling on the tissue that's connected to your bone. Yeah. And So your question is which, which one is right? Yes. Okay. So. Maybe start with what is a shin splint. Yeah. yeah. I actually, we were talking about this earlier. We were talking about this because... Because I got some this week. Well, <laughs> I don't think I ever had one. Newsflash, you guys aren't the only two runners in the group. We got a new runner on the side here. Oh. Dr. Squash is a runner. Okay, I mean, I was trying to showcase you, but... Oh. All right. <laughs> I thought you were talking about you. No, not that, oh, not I went one time. All right, so... That's why I got the shin splint. <laughs> Stretch though. I didn't stretch. I didn't Thank really... you for mentioning stretching. Um, so, 
Go ahead. No, go for it. I was gonna say I stretch, but I don't stretch my shins. I didn't know you could oh, stretch you your shins. Stretch. Wait, how do you stretch go in, shins? Go into oh. your go into your answer. Okay, so basically, um, shin splints are a term basically that kind of refers to the soreness in your the in your calves, right? I mean, you feel it in the front mm-hmm. because those are the specific muscles that are like sore. Um, I would definitely say that the best way to try to relieve it prophylactically is some very good quality stretching, deep tissue massage ahead of time. However, after you run and you get sore, I mean, people are right. There's not really much you can do. You can relieve the symptoms, but you're going to feel the soreness. So I would probably say the best thing you can do beforehand is just some solid stretching and, um... There's a, like, you can also do, like, foam rolling, too, to try to, like, yeah. Yeah, I've done a lot of foam rolling Yeah, yeah, and just try to, like, relieve some of the tension. Um, but it is something that, like, once you are sore after exercising, it's time that kind of heals the muscles after they've been stretched and worked. So, so it is the, the front part. The front muscles that are sore, but you're saying the the calf muscles are what you can use to. I mean, all of the muscles are probably sore because there's a lot of muscles you use when you run. Mm-hmm. You feel it particularly probably in your front, the front of your leg muscles, um, more likely because you're probably working them a little bit harder when you're running and sprinting as opposed to just like walking daily. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah. But they're not connected to your. Calf muscle. I used to think shin splints were just in your bone, which. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because like people refer to like your shin as like the front of your mm-hmm. the, the front, front of that your bone, leg. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't really feel muscle there. Maybe yeah. I'm just weak, but. No, no. It's. I mean, that's based on how the anatomy works. Is like the the tough part that you feel in the front of your leg is, um, the bone. Because um, so what does that have to do with your your calf muscle? I, I think I missed that. I don't know. Someone. Well, I think he was muscle. just wondering like. Um, can you prevent them? How do you get them better? Yeah, yes. yeah. Roll out your calf muscle to help your shin. Roll out your shin. I think a can lot of people out? would say like stretching beforehand and afterward is going to be the best way to try to prevent them from happening. And when you are sore afterwards, if it's really bad, the worst thing you can do is stay stagnant. You need to continue stretching, walk around, try to loosen it up, which is hard to do if you mm-hmm. like have like a desk job during the week and you yeah. ran really hard on the weekend. Or if you played frisbee really hard one night, and the rest of your week you're you know you're resting. But the best thing you can do is just try to um, keep moving. You don't have to be like exercising at peak performance the entire time, but try to keep yourself lucid, loose. <laughs> loose, <But> loose. <laughs> I've I've also heard like uh, compressive socks can help mm-hmm. a little bit because it helps push blood up and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean I'm sure it doesn't. Um, hinder it at all yeah i will say though that they can be uncomfortable to wear like 24 7 i would probably only wear them um if you find yourself feeling like you're needing them if you're like standing for long periods of time staying stagnant but yeah yeah i don't remember i mean i run yeah take it from a runner (laughs) but i've never had pain in my shins I think that's probably because you're conditioned also. It, it can very well. Because, like, stretch. when, like, I don't just run, run. Like, I'll play a sport, and so, like, 
You're if, sprinting. Like if it's soccer or like frisbee, I'm I'm going full steam. And then yeah. the rest of the time, I'm very stagnant, sitting yeah. at a desk or maybe walking a little bit. Yeah. Because I remember there was uh, one time in university, I got a shin splint from playing frisbee, mm-hmm. and it stuck with me for like three months, mm-hmm. and I just I couldn't mm-hmm. shake it at all. It was horrible because mm. of the stairs you take every day, mm. and. Yeah, that's that's when I went and saw a doctor about it. He's like, yeah, there's not much you can do about that other than just well, let he it probably, heal. But yeah, and he probably tested to make sure it wasn't like a broken bone. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Three months. Wow. That's yeah. It lasted a very long time. I was wonder if a PT could have helped you out. Proctologist. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> like the therapist. like the car. <laughs> PT. PT cruiser. Yeah. No, because I had like knee pain when I was running, uh-huh. and I went to the doctor, and they said. You know, you, you could go see a PT. And I went to the PT, and they gave me some stretches to do. And over yeah. like two weeks, it was completely gone. Yeah. It's just like strengthening muscles in your leg. Yeah. Like some get stronger naturally, mm-hmm. but the other ones are lacking, and then you get hurt. Mm-hmm. And just strengthening those other muscles. Yeah. Bring everything back. A lot of it has to do with learning how to use your muscles in a way that will most benefit you, and kind of the correct way to be doing specific maneuvers not to minimize what physical therapists do in any way but Mm -hmm. i think a lot of what they do is teaching yeah yeah all right well i think that was all the questions that we got from the listeners that we chose because some of them we couldn't (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) we want to thank dr squash for coming on our show today thank you thanks for having me thanks for coming And we want to thank our listeners for sending in your questions for Dr. Squash. We hope that we could answer them to the best of our ability. Dr. Squash will be on the show in the future, so if you still have questions, feel free to send them in. Which brings me to the final point that we make every single time, but um, please send us feedback on Instagram or Facebook or by email at brocouncilthebrocast at gmail.com. And yeah, thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye, guys.